0: official Scottish rugby podcast with me Joe Wilson and Chris Patterson back from his holidays, and back with (laughs) me to reflect on Scotland's tour of Argentina. Uh, Chris, first of all how was your break?
1: It's great, two weeks away, um, south of France it's brilliant, Uh, although I did manage to, uh, as normal, see all the games catch up with all the games, hook into all the the last three weekends of, yeah. of international rugby I was I was home on Friday night So I saw this weekend's games But the other ones I managed to catch up At different bits Yeah I was going to say happened, on, on holiday But me.
0: never ever Switches
1: off From well, rugby Well it's just that much <laughs> Goes on There's that much yeah. Goes on uh, You can't Because it's in the moment You can't really catch up You have to Well you don't have to I suppose you could switch off But um I so well, just like to keep ad, an eye you <laughs> Exactly really. You have to be <laughs> in the sure. moment So yeah a, a lot going on Um, Obviously culminating With the, the Kind of last minute defeat On, on, on Saturday So disappointing But uh yeah it's uh, certainly there's been a lot of rugby international rugby over the last few weeks.
0: Yeah and I mean as you said there ultimately it was disappointment for Scotland losing the test series 2-1 after defeat in that decisive final match and it was such a dramatic end to the game to the series how hard will that one be to take
1: it's going to be hard to take because well, the nature of how late the concession was a try but also kind of being in a winning position for a big proportion of that game or I think almost all of the game uh, and quite a comfortable winning position as well so that that makes it harder and also the fact that bouncing back from the first test defeat, wrestling that momentum back in the series to make it one all, and then being ahead in that final test for so long. So it's it's hard. It's also hard after any defeat, club, country, whoever you play for, when you you, you don't get the opportunity to play within the week. You have to take that. That's your last memory as you go and take some time off or you build back into pre-season. So, so it's hard to, to leave on a... Uh, on a, on a defeat, but that's what happened. I actually thought Scotland played the best game. I thought the, the game itself was, was a good spectacle. I thought Argentina played some pretty quality rugby as well. I saw real similarities through Michael Checker's coaching that he implemented at Leinster. He was kind of the, almost one of the building blocks for the second touch offload looping midfield loopers, getting hands on the ball that Leinster are famed for. He started that trend and I can see him, especially a couple of the tries that Argentina scored, having that shape to it. So I thought, you know, credit to the both games because there's although there's been a lot of rugby and a lot of close rugby a lot of it hasn't been that exciting as well but it was exciting and I thought our attack was the best it's been over the three, three, uh, three games but we um, kind of made poor decisions or, or poor errors in the last 10 or 12 minutes that, um, that allowed Argentina to win the game they still had to win it and they did they scored a the try they went after it they, they stayed with us just as we went ahead uh, on a couple of occasions but yeah better overall but certainly attacking performance but disappointing maybe around allowing it and one or two decisions later on Yeah
0: because it did seem to come down to these Fine margins, as it quite often does in rugby. Yeah. You mentioned it there. Do you think it was just a bit of poor decision making, was it a bit of poor game management towards the ends of that one?
1: Well, there's two. There's two sides to it, isn't there? There's two teams to it, and I think kind of took down a couple of notes. That we scored kind of under 50 minutes to go 28-13 up and then within two minutes they scored again so we were only 28-13 up for two minutes and then we scored again I think and was it 64 minutes to go whatever it was 31-20 up and that lead only lasted that big buffer lead only lasted three minutes before they scored again so so the points where we got ahead we couldn't stay ahead long enough and then the big talking point really was in 67 minutes when well 69 minutes actually it was when the decision not to kick attempt to kick the goal I think it was 31-27 at that point that was almost just two minutes after they'd scored I would opt to kick a goal uh, I can understand why they didn't because the, the position had got themselves into the game had come from scoring tries earlier on the game and that kind of tactic that, that's quite common now but at the time I thought oh, I would kick the goal now kicking the goal or, or opting to kick the goal doesn't automatically give you three points as a goal kicker I've said that a lot <laughs> and everybody quite often says oh you should have taken the points you should have taken the points you, you turned down four kickable goals that's that's 12 points yeah you, you, you know statistics Blair kicked at 80% of the, over the tour which was excellent he's you know he's probably going to get it, but you still have to kick it. So it doesn't, you don't get the three just for getting the penalty but I would just the flow of the game the fact that we had the opportunity to go ahead immediately after they'd scored just that little bit further I would probably kick the ball but I can understand why they went to the corner in the first part of the line it was success got over the line just couldn't get the ball down so as you say there's a there's a fine margin but then after that I think we had a brilliant penalty win in the last five or six minutes Hamish Watson won a penalty near her own line Blair kicked right up to over halfway uh, and then I think I can't remember what that. we, we, we conceded a penalty and then failed to find touch once or twice in that last four or five minutes. It just meant all the possession, all the territory was in our third. Uh, and Argentina, with their tails up, managed to, to grind us then.
0: Yeah, and of course it was an Edinburgh man, Emiliano <laughs> Buffelli, with the try right at the end. We spoke earlier on, uh, I think a few weeks ago on the podcast about the dynamics of playing against club Mm. teammates at international level, and you sometimes feel like these scripts almost write themselves when you're watching that he was so integral. Before we talk more about Scotland, how much credit do Argentina deserve for bouncing back, particularly after that defeat in the second match?
1: Well, that's the thing, and I say the game was better as a whole, You know, as a a spectacle, as an attacking force, you could, I think Michael Chek said before the game, they maybe got the emotional build-up to the second game wrong maybe they trained too much maybe they were lethargic or flat but you know a, a coach that's lost a test is going to look for these excuses where I thought Scotland did really well especially in that second half and the second test to win the game they got the emotional levels right they, they played with an of freedom that allowed them to score tries even that last I know it was a penalty advantage that both scored in the corner from but there was a long pass it's great to see in some ways teams not just taking it so close to the breakdown five metres out for the line the, the penalty advantage gave them a little bit of freedom but in the number of times that look at the, like, the Island New Zealand game as well where a bit wider pass close to the line often bears fruit but there's a hesitancy to do it so Argentina had the confidence to do it they did it and, and, and both finished it well it also kicked the goal really well as well as we know from Edinburgh but a couple of those conversions in and around that 50-60 minute mark that just kept Argentina in it were, were really important so you could see his, uh, his delight at scoring you know as always he's totally in the moment he's, he's emotional and I think the first the, almost in the final whistle the, the first thing he did was give big skewy Peter Scooby yeah. a big cuddle after the match you can see that <laughs> When the whistle goes, it stops, but before the whistle, it's real. Yeah,
0: and of course, with a test series like this, Gregor keen to give as many players an opportunity as possible. Is there an argument that he perhaps chopped and changed a little bit too much, bearing in mind the changes he made from the first to the second to the third game? Or or do you think this is what... Test series like this are all about. It's about giving these players opportunities. It's about learning from these players and their performances.
1: I think, I think it's it's international rugby. You have to know who's capable of playing. Players who, who are selected have to be deserving of it as well, and they absolutely are. There's a few injuries as well going into the final test, and then you're always going to get that. You're never going to get a clean slate from whether it's injury suspension, where it's, you know, you're never going to have your number one or what you perceive to be a number one side. Um, back to back to back so you need to develop the depth I, you know there was certainly kind of injuries across the, the squad that would have contributed to the number of changes last week but there's some some, some good performances as well I mean you look at uh, you know Matt Bennett coming in playing really well I really thought was fantastic Matt Fagerson had two or three really big tests Ben White in that second test was excellent Hamish Watson assuming captaincy and I was always just delivering performances you know there's debut uh, debutants in and, and two to three tests and Glenn Young and Ollie smith at the weekend Kyle Rowe the week before there's two players getting the 50th caps and Hamish and Xander. So there's a lot of development and understanding. Where I think it should be mentioned, like I don't think players in the moment, certainly I didn't in the moment, ever look too far ahead. And I don't think coaches. I think coaches have to look too far ahead, but it's all it's secondary to the here and now and in the moment. So they pick a team to win the game that's in front of them. And they make decisions to affect the here and now with an eye in the future. So the decisions that were made were to win that game and we came 20 seconds or 10 seconds fell short of it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned both Hamish Watson and Xander Ferguson. they're both earning their 50th caps during this test series. I mean, great achievements for both of these guys. They're so integral to this squad, aren't
1: they? Yeah, like Mish is just a... Uh, take Mish first. It feels as like if he should have more than 50 cabs, strangely. Um, it feels like
0: he's been around for a yeah, while. Well,
1: I played with him, so he must have been around a while. But, like, just brilliant every time he takes a field. And brilliant. He plays at the same consistent level for his club and his country every week, and he delivers these performances and is in an abrasive position. He's an abrasive player. He's exposed to... Uh, you know a lot of collisions a lot of contact every team that plays against them will target him every single side you know so some players can get an easier ride than others and he's one that gets a real hard ride from positions because he's so good there's so much respect for him so um it's great to see him getting his his, uh his 50th and xander's again so 26 xander maybe so he's been a proper mainstay as well and I thought the Scum, you not know, just down to Zander, but a big, big part of it the weekend was excellent. And yeah, it was, was was integral in the you know, the last couple of tests as well. So that those that, are all good signs, you know, the building you know, consistency with senior player group and also having the the drive to want more. You know, it's it's quite funny. You grow up wanting one cap. You get one, you want a second. You get a second, you want a third. And then you get up and you're lucky to you get a few more. You know, I want 50. You get to 50 and it's like restart, right? Let's get more. And that sometimes these milestones are really good for underlining how much more you want and how much you might have to change or develop or adapt or improve to get more rather than being on the outside like we celebrate today of course they're celebrating for the person as well but they're quite often a checkpoint to say listen I, I, I want to double this I want to get more I want to break records I want to go after it so those two players being as relatively young as they are and Hamish's case and, and certainly Xander's a bit younger um, key positions. It's real important, and, and uh, congratulations to them both.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of alluding to the fact that it'll almost make them more hungry in, in a way, well, even though yeah. they've reached.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it did with me. It did with me, and I, knowing the guys that, like I do, that they'll be the same. You just want more, and it comes to a point where it has to end at some point, and that's something else you have to deal with. But like any accolade, any achievement, any milestone, I think is it's it's celebrated. Of course, it is. But it is an inspiration to get more. It's not the end point. Whereas I think sometimes an outside looking in, you think, "Oh, well done, fifty cap." You don't think like that as an individual. Like, no way, I want, I want more. But it's good that they're marked, obviously, and um, and celebrated. And having you know more experience can can only help, especially when you experienced players on such good form.
0: You already mentioned some of the debutants. Just to go to the kind of opposite end of things, how much hungrier will this make them? Kind of despite the defeat and things that taste of international, Mm -hmm. you know, a first tour, they'll just want to push on now as well.
1: It's pretty much the same. It's the same process, really. And the other thing that a first cat gives you is a, is a taste absolutely. And you want more, but it also gives you a, a line in the sand actually that's what international rugby is because you haven't experienced it before obviously and you get it you might be shocked at how hard it is you might be shocked at how easy it is you might be shocked that you know actually this can be sometimes more simple than playing a club game because I just have to worry about my own job I don't need to cover other people or help other people or you know you're, you're that important cog in the wheel and you have to do your own job so sometimes being surrounded by international players your job is your job, and you don't have to do quite as much as you as you would do in, in, in a club side, sometimes, not always. Um, but the intensity is that it's raised the level. You know, we've spoken for you know a lot of years about the, being a split in the game between a professional game and an amateur game, which are absolutely as I actually think we're almost into three now, where we've got an amateur game, a professional game, and then an international game. The intensity of international rugby is off the charts at the moment, even more so than professional rugby. So when you get that experience, when you get that exposure to it, you could be shocked, you could be inspired, but it gives you a, a, a line in the sand to, to work from, and, and, and it gives you a taste of fulfilling a dream that, as I said, with the 50th Cat boys, you just want more. You want to do it again and again and again, and you don't ever want to let it go.
0: Who were the real standouts for you during this series?
1: Again, like I mentioned just before, like Rory Darge was outstanding uh, in terms of his, like his attack and his defence. Sometimes... You know, he's, he's known as this poacher, this threat, this brilliant in that classic jackal position, stealing ball, but his attacking and work and his footwork and his line breaks and his offload is brilliant as well. with Real hunger. Matt Fagerson uh, at number eight got a lot of touches the last two weeks and looked dynamic. He, he you know, coming back reasonably from injury, uh, you know, towards the end of the season. So he, he, he I thought he played well. I see Ben White in that second test uh, was excellent. Matt Bennett, we mentioned as well, in, in terms of a, a cutting edge, uh in the midfield and uh, uh kind of 13 position but defensively are really good as well so do tries and the threat that he brings so so there's uh there's a there's you know a lot of pretty good individual performances and, and you know this was spoken about on saturday after the game and i agreed there was a lot of good individual stuff quite a lot of good team stuff but it was just elements of the last 10-15 minutes that that will that will kind of frustrate the team and the players and the squad but a lot of good individuals who who Quite rightly, need some time off now to to rest and recuperate before they join their club teammates, who've already started training.
0: And in terms of international rugby, of course, Scotland face Argentina again during the Autumn Nations Series, as well as Australia, Fiji, and New Zealand. What do you think the main learnings will have been from this test series going into the Autumn Nations
1: Series? The, the topical one at the moment, and it's not a learning because you know how difficult it is, it would be kick-off reception. That seems to be one area where a lot of people are talking about. Now it's a, it's, it's important. It's treated really importantly. It's worked on um, really well, but it's a difficult, difficult skill. So maybe coming up with something different around that would be would something to look at. The, the I think for me... When Scotland play attack, speaking mainly mainly about attack, when they attack like they did in the third test, I think suits us better than it did in the first two tests. But I actually think the first two tests he still went in with a mentality to attack like he did in the third, but it just wasn't accurate enough. And the ball carry wasn't good. You didn't get you know, go forward quick enough. You maybe were taking the wrong option once or twice. So I think that that slightly looser element of that third test gives us, it puts us in a position to win to win games, which I think suits us. There's risks associated with it, of course there is, but there's risks associated with however you play. So I would say, yeah, that that, that the, the quicker we, and it's not new, it's not a learning we've known for a long time, the quicker you can play with accuracy, I think suits us. I also think Argentina will improve. Um, between now, they'll play, they'll play obviously rugby championships, so they'll play international hard rugby before they play us again, so I think they'll improve. New Zealand, obviously we play and it's it's difficult to know I thought Ireland were outstanding in their win but I thought New Zealand looked a little bit lost at times in their attacking shape which you never really said quite often their, their individual players can get them out of trouble with brilliance but Ireland's defence was outstanding and, and I just felt that they maybe lost their attacking shape a little bit especially that, that game on Saturday so They'll improve come November. Australia improve. I thought they were unlucky against England, in all honesty. Uh, that can he, Marcus Smith's match winning try, match defining try, came from a, an Aussie error. But two or three times, especially in the first half, I thought the Australian backline attack or the initial set piece of that really caused england trouble and yet, yeah, well fiji will talk about it. great individual players fiji love that and they'll always pose a threat so i think what's what's important is more players exposed to international rugby more time together as a squad over the last three or three, uh, three or four weeks that gregor Hight hinted at when we spoke to him about how much teams needs touring to come together on and off the field so so, so that's good but the players Will know that improvement. You have to keep improving. You have to keep getting better in order to beat these sides, and with the, the kind of the home fans are BT Murrayfield behind them, that'll make a difference as well. Come come November.
0: Let's just pick up on Ireland as well, because a pretty historic win
1: hmm.
0: for them. It actually means they're now top of the world rankings as well. Scotland facing them in Pool B in the World Cup next year it, i mean you mentioned that ireland were good there's a yeah. lot being written about kind of how bad new zealand are I'm, i don't mean to be disrespectful by saying that but mm-hmm. there's been a lot in the papers and things just about how this is one of the worst new zealand sides ever um do you agree with that or do, are ireland really deserving to be at the top of the rankings well, and how yeah. kind of ominous is this for scotland in the world cup
1: well you don't get the by chance do you I keep saying how international rugby's are a hard environment it's as hard as it comes and you get what you deserve basically so if you're number one in the world you deserve to be there because it's a long process i think what was really important for Alan was winning that second test because don't like i mean if you rewind two or three weeks the the success of the all blacks in that first test they were outstanding they were brilliant and it was the kind of usual narrative of how on earth are a, a touring team going to beat them but then two weeks later all completely roll reversal wheels are off everything's terrible and I think a part of that's down to, to Ireland having the physicality, um, but really, really clever attack. Um, and, I, and I think a big part of it is getting over that hurdle of beating New Zealand the first time away from home. It shows you how like, if we, sometimes the, the most difficult thing to do is the first time. And by doing it that first time, it sends a message to yourself, but it sends a massive message to New Zealand as well. And they were under huge pressure going at that. I felt the team they picked, New Zealand's team for the third test was stronger than the team they picked for the second test. They went in with all that pressure on them and Ireland still, with the belief that they'd beaten them seven days ago, stood up to that and played it. And were brilliant. The the short side attack, they kept moving the New Zealand defence. As I say, New Zealand couldn't get a foothold in the game. When Will Jordan scored that brilliant breakaway try, he thought, right, here they come. They're going to come rolling back. But Ireland's defence was brilliant and their their ability to we call catch pass uh, sounds really pathetically simple, but the ability the, the catch pass of the a lot of the forwards, especially in and around that that can of pass off scrum half, just bamboozled the, the New Zealand defence. And the quality of it from Ireland was brilliant, so totally deserved the world rankings, uh, the place at the top of the world rankings. And um, we'll play them obviously in the Six Nations before Rugby World Cup as well. The players are known to all our players, most of them play against each other. Two or three times a year in URC. So and that's one thing as well. Maybe on a lot of the Leinster players, they had two massive disappointments as individuals at the end of last season, in terms of the Champions Cup final and the semi-final URC. So maybe that drove them on a wee bit as well and got them back in line with who they wanted to be. But yeah, that's a couple of big games for us. (laughs) Also it also gives you that also gives you a blueprint as to maybe how the New Zealand how you beat New Zealand in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that then kind of has reverberations for New Zealand playing at home as well when they come up against other teams in the Rugby Championship. So it's uh, it takes a bit of doing, but they certainly, they certainly deserve it.
0: Yeah, and that Rugby Championship, just a few weeks away now, the Southern Hemisphere side's in action. It's South Africa against New Zealand and Argentina against Australia, kicking things off on the 6th of August. From what you've seen from these tours, who do you think the one is to watch in this year's Rugby Championship?
1: Hey! don't <laughs> um, like being on the spot or anything. I like Australia. I like how Australia yeah. are trying to play. Um, I, I think the games are close with England. England got on the right side of one or two bits and pieces. Australia had all sorts of injuries and uh, kind of suspensions and pull-outs. And I, I know I just said you'll never get your first team or you perceived to be first team on the field week after week. I just think the... Um, some of their attack that they created in the opening the first half ripped England who are phenomenally good in defence ripped them apart but they didn't finish it off the better the more time they spend together the better they they become at finishing off those moves that I think they've got an attack that can frighten anyone Springboks have got that massive physicality that Wales almost broke as well in <laughs> yeah. um, New Zealand they'll be in the backlash Argentina you can see are probably going to evolve that attacking game just to keep the ball moving keep it alive keep the hand-to-hand off loads quick play which I think is, is is easy to do when you win the contact, when you win the physicality, and you know that'll be hard to do against a team like South Africa, and it would be potentially against against others. So pretty open, but I, I think the the team I enjoy watching, at the moment I'd say Australia probably out of those four.
0: There we go, the ones to watch. I'll put some money on them, and then <laughs> believe you if they, <laughs> don't... If they don't win. <laughs> exactly, believe me. I... we've just got to switch attention now to the sevens, Chris, just before we go, because an announcement has just been made that Scotland, England and Wales will now compete as GB sevens in the World Series from next season. Scotland sevens will still exist in some form. We don't have extensive details yet, but what is your take on this news that GB sevens Will now be the way forward, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's something that happened two, three months ago, or just after COVID, wasn't it? In terms of Olympic, it's obviously aligned to Olympic um, yeah. participation and qualification. But uh, so, I think that World Rugby directive to, to align with that. So it's, I think what's really important, what you said there, is that Scottish Sevens will still exist. Um, whether I'm not sure which tournaments will play. They're not playing the World Series because that will be GB, as you just said. But it's really important. For our development we spoke about it time and time again for players development both men's and women's that you you'd exposed to sevens at a high level where your fitness has to be good your individual skills has to be good you have to understand recovery because you're playing three games in a day or you're playing days back to back you have to deal with pressure or crowd and expectation all these wee bits that are part of 15 rugby if, if that's your goal to, to develop to play 15 rugby have to be excelled in sevens as well. So I think that what's really important is they'll still be Scotland sevens, uh, playing at a high level of competition, where that is, whether it's, I don't know, you know, we don't know a lot of details, but whether it's Rugby Europe competitions or home Nations competitions, I'm not sure. Um, but for GB, I suppose as an individual player, for the men's and women's players, the goal still remains the same. It can be harder, because it's going to be harder to break into. We don't know how big the squads will be, or how many times who will coach or who will select but there's still a goal there as a player that you want to represent GB you want to play in the World Series and um, I think I think we've got players who, who will uh, and who can so um, it's exciting in some ways, but it's really important that we still expose as many players as we can to top competition, and, and we can do that through GB Sevens and through Scotland Sevens.
0: Yep, absolutely, and no doubt something that we will talk much more about uh, as all the details become more clear and as it as it moves forwards. Um, Chris, always an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to you guys for listening at home as well. We'll be back soon with much, much more. <music>